can't you hear me? Who can't hear me? Put up your hand if you can't hear me. You can. Okay, that's good. <laughs> Excellent. All right. It's good to be here again and nice to see you uh, attending today. And uh, I'm sure that God's got some uh, really interesting things for us. And uh, I particularly wanted to look at, at wisdom and, uh, and how necessary it is. And I didn't think about this because of what has been going on in the country, actually, but uh, I just was thinking about it. Then as I began to study this whole subject of the wisdom of God, Right, is that better? It is, okay. I'll try and shout. <laughs> okay, so as I began to study the, the, the whole thing of the wisdom of God, I thought to myself, how interesting. Um, so many areas that, that were the negatives in the Word of God about, about the wisdom of God are, are those things which I was seeing in public figures. And I thought to myself, well, we need to look at this. We need to understand it. So we're going to have a look at it this morning. And I want to read to you from... Um, uh, James chapter 3 and uh, in, in verse 13 James chapter 3 verse 13 who is wise and understanding amongst you let him show it by his good life by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts do not boast about it or deny, deny the truth such wisdom does not come down from heaven but is, is earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. That's, we should almost just about read that it's so short, read it through again, but I'm not going to at the moment because we will look at it again and again anyway. But um, let's just pray and ask the Lord to help us to understand the statement of James. Father, we thank you for your word, the Bible. We thank you, Lord, that it's for us today. Even though it was written 2,000 years ago, it's for us today, and we are so grateful. And we pray, Lord, that you would really inspire us by your Holy Spirit this morning that we may understand what wisdom is all about. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, this is, a, this is a fascinating passage, and I believe that one of the main things that we need to start off with is just to say that, that um, uh, there's no doubt about it that human wisdom and godly wisdom are two very different things. Human wisdom and godly wisdom are two very different things. James has already mentioned godly wisdom in chapter 1 and where he shows how necessary it is when we're going through times of trial. And the word translated wisdom in the Greek is the word Sophia. So if you've got a, a daughter or a granddaughter or something like that with the name Sophia, that's what it means. Godly wisdom is Sophia. That's, that's the word we translate. And it, and it actually means insight into the true nature of things. Insight into the true nature of things. So when I'm going through trial and it's, exceed, it's, it's exceedingly helpful to, to understand why. Why, Lord? Have you ever done that? You go through a tough time and say, well, why, Lord? Why me? I was chatting to somebody else over the telephone the other day and they said, why me? Why did I have to go through this? And, but the Lord, in fact, will give us an answer. And he will give us the insight into the true nature of things so that we can understand our circumstances. 
and understand why it is that it's happening to us. You see, if I'm to persevere in the power of God's Holy Spirit, I need to have that insight. I need to know the way that God sees it. And I need to know also what he um, suggests I should do if I want to, in fact, find my way out of it and or make my way through it. We don't always find our way out of it. There are times when he just helps us through it. We come out the other side, we think, wow, that's amazing. God was with me. But I firstly need to understand why it is happening and, uh, and why it's happening to me. This extraordinary thing is that James encourages us to ask God for wisdom to understand our circumstances and he states emphatically in chapter 1 verse 5 where he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to, to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. It doesn't say might be, it says it will be. You will understand if you ask God and you listen to what he's saying. That's an extraordinary statement to make, isn't it? And so when we discuss wisdom, we're, we're, we're not talking about some commodity that we can't have because we're just ordinary people. I, you know, I don't have much wisdom or whatever kind of thing. Uh, that, that's not the case. He is saying you will understand. You can have this wisdom. It is available for you if you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, if the Spirit of God is dwelling within you. But how does this wisdom relate to the gift of the message of wisdom that we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 when Paul was talking about the gifts of the Spirit and he talks about the gift of wisdom. Uh, are they similar? Are they the same? What, what is he talking about? Well, it, well, in actual fact, the gift of the message, message of wisdom is very similar because basically it's talking about God giving somebody a message of wisdom for somebody else who's struggling in just the way that we have been talking about. And... Uh, uh, and the people who are going through hard times need to hear sometimes from fellow Christians. God can speak through fellow Christians to us and, 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 and we say, oh wow, that's amazing. Thank you so much. I understand what it's all about now. And the person receiving or the people, the body of Christ receiving or whatever, uh, that, that message of wisdom, know that it is God that has spoken. It wasn't just because that person uh, is a friend of mine, but God was really using them to pass on a message of wisdom. And that's what Paul speaks about in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So then let's look at this wisdom that, that um, James speaks about here and this godly wisdom. Firstly, it is important to understand that godly wisdom is only available to the children of God. It's only available to the children of God. They can pass it on to people who aren't children of God, but it's only available to children of God uh, because it is wisdom that comes down from, from on high. It is given to us by the indwelling Holy Spirit and therefore it's only available to the children of God. But I believe that, that, that God in his mercy will give non-Christians um, help when they cry out to him and direction when they cry out to him particularly if they come in repentance that doesn't mean uh, uh, I know of, of people who, who found themselves in terrible positions and, and cried out to God and said please help me please show me the way and God has shown them a way and as a result of that they have put their faith and trust in Jesus but God's word makes it very clear that non-Christians do not have godly wisdom to pass on to others because the Holy Spirit does not dwell in them as he does in the children of God. So James looks at these two kinds of wisdom. Firstly then, the person who exercises godly wisdom will display that fact in their lifestyle. 
if we exercise godly wisdom, people will see it. They'll say, wow, that, that person has an extraordinary life. How come they have such an extraordinary life? Verse, 17 say, uh, rather verse 13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. And certain characteristics will be evident in the life of the individual who, who is controlled by godly wisdom. Look at verse 17. It says, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. That's a very interesting description. We're going to go over it just now one by one, but let's just read it through again. It says, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. And the fact is that when we act with godly wisdom, it has an effect upon our relationship with other people because we are acting with godly wisdom. Godly wisdom, first of all, then, is pure. What does James mean by saying that godly wisdom is pure? Those who are influenced by godly wisdom will have pure motives. The best way of describing it is to say there's no hidden agenda. So many people, when we see people in public life, we say, ah, oh, but there's a hidden agenda. Isn't that right? There's something else in the background that makes them act like that. And he said, no, godly wisdom is pure. There's no hidden agenda. I'm not doing it so that I can sort of kid people or push them in the wrong direction or whatever kind of idea. There's no hidden agenda. And godly wisdom brings everything out into the open and deals with it in God's way. At the end of the exercise in godly wisdom, everyone knows where they stand. There's nobody confused any longer if they're really open to what God is saying. Secondly, godly wisdom is peace-loving. I don't have to spend my time fighting other people all the time. And if God's will is clear, he will bring it to pass. It's peace-loving. If God gives us the wisdom to understand his purpose, he will also give us the, the ability and, if necessary, the power and authority to make it happen. I certainly don't have to impose God's will by the use of arms. I mean military arms, violent arms. And if I have to impose God's will on others, what am I saying about my God? I'm saying basically that he's weak, aren't I? Isn't that right? If I have to impose God's will on other people by the use of arms, what am I saying? I'm saying God can't do it. Isn't that right? Uh, the reason certain religious groups today go to war is because their God is not God at all. It's as simple as that. And uh, when you look at history, um, I always used to get worried about the military crusades. How come the Christians went to war? If you, if you know your history a little bit, the crusades happened because basically the Western Christian countries wanted to take back some of the countries that had been Christian, but some false religion had come along and they, they'd gone another direction. So they went and violently took back those countries to prove who God is. Well, I have to say to you this morning that those crusades were not of God. 
God doesn't work that way. And he doesn't enforce his will upon us. And they were completely contrary to the gospel. If I look at God's word, I find out that God, in fact, loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. But God did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. His whole purpose was to save the world by his extraordinary worldwide love. Not through force of arms. And we preach the gospel of the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, don't we? That's what it's all about. And that's how important it is. Thirdly, godly wisdom is considerate. We've already discovered that if God's will is clear and we are obedient, he will, he will bring it to pass. But if there, if there are those amongst us who don't understand the wisdom of God, it's no good trying to browbeat them and sort of influence them our way. If they just don't understand it, we just need to pray for them. Carry on praying for them until the Lord moves in their lives by his Holy Spirit. And, and if they still resist the will of God, well, then it's, it's up to the Lord. He, they're in the Lord's hands. I can't force people to follow the will of God. Fourthly, godly wisdom is submissive. There are times when God wants to speak to me. And he will use other people to bring godly wisdom and they will bring it to me. I've had that when people come to me and say, there's something I just want to say to you. I believe God is saying and, you know, okay, I'm, I need to listen. So I need to be submissive and say, yes, Lord, okay, I, I receive that. I receive that. Because you are speaking through somebody else to me. Thank you so much. Thank you. And bless the Lord for it because godly wisdom is submissive. Fifthly, godly wisdom is full of mercy and good fruit. To those who just cannot comprehend the will of God, I'm still graceful to them. I still show them grace and love in spite of the fact that they do not understand. I don't make them my enemy. Isn't that right? And uh, the purpose of God giving me his wisdom is that I use it to bear good fruit in other people's lives. In, in verse 18, sums it up when he says, Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. And so he's, when he talks about godly wisdom being peaceful, the fact, the fact is that, that when I show forth godly wisdom, there will be those that respond and there is a harvest of righteousness. What do, what do we mean by a harvest of righteousness? It means that God pours out his spirit in such a way that people repent of what they were doing and they turn from their, their, their wicked way, as it were, and they turn to that which is right and, and they live righteously. There's a harvest of righteousness. And that's what we should be seeing, uh, seeing in the world around about us as we preach the gospel. We should be seeing a harvest of righteousness. People putting their faith and trust in Jesus because they've heard the wisdom of God declared powerfully in the power of the Holy Spirit. Not in the power of arms, as it were. Sickly, godly wisdom is impartial and sincere. Impartial and sincere. Godly wisdom does not need to take sides because we're on God's side. All I need to, uh, to do with godly wisdom is to do his, I need to do his will and people need to see me doing his will. So I don't just speak it out, I live it. I live it. And uh, so many Christians defend 
their position by saying, we act this way because, and then they go through, I'm an Anglican or I'm a Catholic or I'm a Baptist or I'm a Methodist or a Charismatic or whatever it might be, and that's why we act this way. But it doesn't matter who you've sided with. All you need to do is the will of God. Isn't that right? I can be in any of those groups, but I can do the will of God. I can put my faith in God. I can live in this way. I can speak this way. And I can do these things. And people will say, that person belongs to Jesus. Do you understand? There's a difference. And it's not because I'm a Methodist or an Anglican or a Baptist or whatever kind of idea, but it's because I belong to him. Funnily enough, when we get to heaven one day, they're not going to say, well, that's where the Baptists go, and you Anglicans can go over there, and you Charismatics down there, and you Pentecostals, you can stay over there. No, not at all. We're going to be there because we did the will of God, because we responded to the wisdom of God, because we put our faith and trust in Jesus. He became my Savior. I became His child. I do His will. I live for Him. And uh, I had a little fright just recently, and uh, because... Uh, you know, I'm getting a bit older, so I had a couple of medical conditions and so on, and, and I had some declaration that was made, you've probably got this or whatever kind of thing. And I thought, well, is that going to worry me? The amazing thing was that the morning that, that, that I, I got up, the reading, uh, the reading was very, very, very clear. And it, it was when Jairus was uh, spoken to by the, by the Lord because his daughter was dying, and he said to him, don't be afraid. In fact, after she had already died, he said, don't be afraid. Just believe. So when I had this declaration in hospital kind of idea, I thought, wow, that's amazing. I didn't feel fear at all. But what I did feel, I thought, I'm going to preach the gospel even more. Do you understand what I mean? That is my whole purpose. I will do it until Jesus comes again. Hallelujah. Isn't that right? That's what we need to do. That has to be the wisdom of God. James says that bitter envy and selfish ambition are the product of human wisdom, not godly wisdom. In verse 14 to 16 it says, But if you harbor bitter envy or selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. For where you have envy... And selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. So, human wisdom says openly, only a small percentage of people make it in life. Isn't that right? We look at, uh, and, and that group have made life easier, more comfortable for themselves. Uh, they, they are materially rich and humanly powerful. Now, why have they got it all and I want it too? Isn't that right? Why are these people able to live like that? Why can they have so much? I want it as well. I want it as well. That's bitter envy. We envy them. I want to be like that. I will do everything I can, no matter who I hurt on the way, to live like them. And that's selfish ambition. Bitter envy and selfish ambition are part of human wisdom, not godly wisdom. And James says that that is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. So James, James brings a warning to the church. In verse 16 he says, for, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Now James is not pointing out 
what he, he sees in the world alone. But he's saying, watch out that that kind of attitude doesn't come into the church. And I'm, sadly, we have to say it does sometimes, isn't it? We can become envious. And, and we can have an ambition which is, in a sense, evil because it's none of God. And we need to come to him and say, Lord, is this really what you're saying to me? Is this really where I'm going? Is this really what you want me to do? I need to know, Lord. I want to do your will and purpose. I want to see your kingdom come and your will be done. And I will do it as long as I know that you are speaking to me. Now, firstly, we need to be careful that we are, are not putting all wealthy people into the same bracket, okay, from what I said a moment ago. By no means are all wealthy people corrupt. And there are godly people who are also wealthy and God can use them. I remember hearing a fascinating illustration about a man who was a, a minister in a church, not a very big church kind of idea and uh, he had a new person that had come into the congregation obviously a lovely Christian person, didn't know too much about them. But one day this man sidled up to him and he said to him he said look he said, uh, I've been a Christian for a time now and he said the Lord's really blessed me in my business uh, you know, and, and things have been going very well. And um, uh, I've got a million pounds to invest in the church of God. Can you tell me how to do it? When I heard that illustration, having been a pastor for many years, I thought, wow, I wish somebody like that had come to me. <laughs> I've got a million pounds to invest. How can I, you know, what do you, anyway, he, he put away the kind of the selfish ambition, if you like, and he, and he began to investigate how this man could invest his million pounds in the church of God. And he did it according to the wisdom of God. But a short while later, the man came back and he said, you know, ever since I gave that million pounds, God so blessed me. It's been amazing. He said, I've got another three million pounds to invest. Can you help me know to know what to do with it? And I don't know how long it went on for, but I do know that because this man used godly wisdom and because the, 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 the believer with the money was able to share it with God's people, wonderful things happen. Wonderful things happen. So God can use wealthy people. Very important that we recognize that. Secondly, this passage, uh, this passage is asking what kind of wisdom guides your life at the moment? in your circumstances, the things that you've been going through, what kind of wisdom guides you? Is it human wisdom, which is characterized by this envy and selfish ambition, driving relentlessly to improve my status through physical and material things? Or is it godly wisdom, which characterizes what you do, which he speaks about in verse 17? First of all, pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial and sincere. And we have to be really honest, don't we, when we think about this. What wisdom is guiding me? What wisdom even guided me last week? How did I respond to situations that I went through? Did I respond with godly wisdom or was it just typical selfishness? What was it that I did? And I love that verse where Jesus, our Lord, said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness 
and all these things will be added unto you. It's where we're going first. What is the center of what I do? Where am I going? What am I doing? What is life all about? Is there any hope? But I believe that that verse in Matthew 6.33 is talking about godly wisdom, isn't it? That's how we need to act. That's how we need to move. That's where we're going. That's where hope comes from. I was just sharing with somebody before the the um, uh, the service that that uh, I've got to know in my street different people <laughs> that I that that uh, are on their own. There's one little man, uh, and uh, I, I he's always walking past with his arms behind his back, and he walks all around the and I. I went up to him a little while back and I, and I told him my name was Andrew and, and he told me his name was John and, uh, and uh, not John, our John here, but another John. And, and, and I thought to myself, he's on his own. He told me he's on his own. I thought, he's on his own. When he gets up in the morning, what hope does he have? I don't know. Maybe he is a Christian. I don't know. But I know that there are lots of lonely people, lots of people who want to know what life is all about and they're coming rapidly to the end of their lives. They need to know. You're a Christian. You know what it's all about. Share with them. Share the love of Jesus with them. Show them that there is hope. The Word of God tells us and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love in our hearts by His Holy Spirit. Not just for me. He's poured out His love in my heart by His Holy Spirit so that I can help others. That's the wisdom of God. I'll never ever be able to force anybody to receive the love of Jesus or to love other people. But I can share that love with them. And the Spirit of God can touch their lives can change their future completely, however long it is. It may be six weeks, maybe six years, maybe 60 years. Who knows? But God can change their life completely. The wisdom of God is what we need. And sadly, when we look around the world today, vast numbers of the leaders that are guiding the world do not have that wisdom. I'm not saying there aren't Christian leaders. There are Christian leaders. But vast numbers have no understanding of the wisdom of God. And we should pray, oh God, bring our leadership in this country to the place where they acknowledge that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He governs and controls all things. I need to submit to him that I might see his kingdom come in my life and his will done in my life as I seek him with all my heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't we just stand up? Let's just stand up this morning together. And I I have no idea what, I mean, some people speak to me, but in, in the main I have no idea what you as individuals are going through. But, If you want to just reach out to him, just reach out to him this morning and say, Lord, just help me to understand your purpose for my life.
even put up your hands, just reach out your hands and say, Lord, what is my purpose? What do you want to do through me? What do you want to do in my workplace? What do you want to do in my family? What do you want to do in my street? What do you want to do in my neighborhood? What are you saying through me, Lord? Just help me, Lord. And Lord, I just pray for each individual represented here that you would help us, each one, to understand your purpose for my life, our lives, right here today. That we can see your kingdom come and we can see your will done in our lives in a fresh and a new way. In Jesus' name. That people will begin to say, do you know about that church? There's, there's a church down the road there, Hersham. Those people, they know Jesus. They know Jesus. They make a difference. Oh God, pour out your spirit in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now we're going to sing a final song and it was given to me originally.